I wonder what plans you have for um, 2021 or for Christmas or, or for, for whatever. Maybe like many people at the moment, you're, you're afraid uh, to, to make plans. Uh, so many plans have been cancelled, so many things have been changed. You, you just wonder, is there any point in even planning at the moment? Uh, maybe like us, you're, you're hopeful of travelling someday to see family. Maybe uh, you're hoping to have that holiday that was cancelled. You're, you're longing for just a, a week away, somewhere warm. Uh, or maybe you're thinking of studies or a new job or retiring or you're thinking that you plan to move house or change your car or something. All sorts of plans that, that we have. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with, with planning ahead. In fact, it's prudent to do so. But if we're honest, most of our plans revolve around our prosperity. Not necessarily wanting to get wealthy or, 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 or to, to be uh, hugely rich, but just wanting things to work out well for us, wanting our, our, our well-being. And that, that's often what, what we're planning. We're looking uh, ahead and thinking, how can, how can my life work out in these next few years? And right at the moment, all we want to do really is get back to some sort of normality so that we can begin to plan. But I wonder how, as followers of Jesus, how should that affect the way we plan? How should our faith affect our, our plans? Well, James' first readers, we're looking through the book of James again. James' first readers, of course, had been scattered from Jerusalem. They were followers of Jesus. They'd been scattered as, as the persecution of Christians broke out uh, after the, the death of Stephen, just as we were praying for persecuted Christians today. Christians were scattered. A lot of them had lost everything. They'd lost their homes. They'd lost their businesses. They'd, uh, all, all their goods, everything was, all their, their future was, was really uh, completely shattered, all their plans. Uh, just like many of those people for whom we've been praying today. For many people who are refugees uh, in many parts of the world today, these Christians find themselves uh, scattered from, from Jerusalem. And of course, they began to make plans. They began to make plans to try and restore uh, the, their fortunes, to try and restore their businesses. They might have looked around at their new neighbors and seen that they were fairly prosperous, that, that they had, had escaped the worst of this persecution. Uh, and James has some advice for them. As, as he writes to them, he brings advice to them, which is very practical, as all James teaching, and it's practical for them and practical for us. And we're going to look for a few moments together today at James chapter 4 from verse 13, and then we go down into chapter 5, verse 6. So let me read from James chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. This is God's word to us. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. I want to look first of all at uh, plans and, and uh, perspective. There's nothing wrong with planning ahead. There's nothing at all 
uh, with thinking about your studies or your job or, or providing for your family. In fact, it, it's prudent to do that. And we want to plan that our lives will go, go smoothly. But as followers of Jesus, we need to have a, a spiritual perspective. Um, some of James' readers, or some of the people to whom he wrote, seemed to have forgotten that. They seemed to be overconfident. So James said, now listen, you who say tomorrow, or today or tomorrow, we'll go and we'll do this and that. It was all about them, their plans. We will go, we will make money. Uh, and that seemed to be to the point of boasting. Look at verse 16. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. James says, well, wait, hold on a minute, hold on. You're boasting about what you're going to do to tomorrow and what business you're going to do and how you're going to make money. And he says, wait, wait a minute. You need to keep things in perspective as followers of Jesus. And he says, first of all, you need to have a correct view of the future. A correct view of the future. Look at verse 14. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. You're saying, right, we're going to go and build this and plan that and, and, and make money. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if you've seen um, on the, the papers or the news, there are great plans afoot for celebrating the Queen's 70th uh, Jubilee celebrations. Apparently there's going to be an extra bank holiday. We're all going to have four days off uh, between the 2nd and 4th of June. I only work Sunday, so it doesn't really affect me too much, but some of you will, will benefit from that. Uh, and the media are confidently stating that uh, she will be the first monarch to have ruled for 70 years, which is true, of course. Uh, Alwyn Oliver Dowden, uh, sorry, the culture secretary said, we can all look forward to a special four-day jubilee weekend when we will put together a spectacular once-in-a-generation show which will bring the entire nation and the Commonwealth together in a fitting tribute to Her Majesty. Now, I don't want to be pessimistic about the Queen, but she's 94, and they're planning for two years from now. Now, I know you've got a plan, but there's great confidence. There's no thoughts of what might happen. Uh, and we often do the same, of course, don't we? Uh, it's not fair to, to blame the media. We plan far in advance. We say, yes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Uh, and James says, wait a minute, hold on. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring in the midst of all your planning. You, you just don't, don't know. And that is truer than ever in, in these days. It was always so, but it, it's truer than ever because things are changing from day to day. If we're believers, we know where eternally our future lies. We, we know that that's secure. We know that ultimately we will go to heaven, we will will be with God eternally. But life is complex, life's uncertain. It can just take a change in your health, some unforeseen crisis. Uh, The stock markets can crash, Uh, pension funds can come tumbling. Things can can change, our our lives are very vulnerable. And we just don't know what the immediate future holds. And the book of Proverbs says, uh, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what tomorrow may bring forth. And that's the reality for us. It was the reality for James' readers, and it's the reality for us. But we just don't know what uh, tomorrow brings. So we need to have a correct view of the future. And then James says, we need to have a correct view of ourselves. James asks the question there uh, in the second part of verse 14, what is your life? He asks, it's sort of a philosophical question. It really is the idea of, in the Greek, of what, what does your life consist of? Of what character has your life? And he gives the answer himself. He says, your life's like a mist. It's here for a while, and then it's gone. All your achievements, all your plans will just disappear, just like a mist. I often drive over Creantet. In fact, I always drive over Creantet on the way to church in the morning. Quite often very misty up there uh, at 8 o'clock. By 10 o'clock, it's clear. The, the mist is just gone. James says, that's what your life is like. One, one day it will be there and thick and apparent, and the next day, uh, just gone. The psalmist puts it like this, as for man, or woman, obviously just using the generic, as for man, his days are like grass. 
He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. That's the reality of our lives. Uh, Our lives are very transient. Uh, Coming up to Christmas time, the shops are always full of the uh, autobiographies of celebrities. They they think their lives are so important that we should all be reading about them. Uh, But you know what? In another generation, those people will be forgotten. All those people whose autobiographies fill the bookshelves, uh, when you ask another generation in 20, 30 years' time, they'll they'll not even know who those people were. See, all we plan and achieve for seems very important now. What we're doing seems important to us because it's our lives, but uh, it will be gone. It is very transient. It is very temporary. And so James says we need to have a correct view of God's sovereignty. Verse 15, when we're making our plans, it's not wrong to make plans, but we should say uh, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and, and do this or that. We have to recognize that all our plans, all the plans we have for our lives are ultimately subject to God. You'd be familiar with the the poem Invictus uh, by William Ernest Henley where he says in one one verse, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. But we know that's that's actually not true. God is sovereign over uh, our our lives. That's why Jesus told his disciples to pray, your will be done. Your will be done. May, may you know what's right for me. May that be done in my life. And we need to acknowledge that every part of our lives, all those plans we have, which, which are not wrong in themselves, are subject to God's will. The book of Proverbs, we read, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And we have to sometimes step back and say, do, do we really believe that? Or when we make our plans, do we just uh, get on with planning? Here's what uh, Sam Albury, he's a a Church of England minister, has written a commentary, and James says, For all our profession of faith, once the calendars come out, it is as if God was no longer there. When it comes to planning, we can so quickly become atheists. Our planning revolves around us. Our self-important agendas are uppermost in our thinking. It's as if we say, yes, we believe that God's sovereign, but here's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, and God is almost pushed to, to one side. You see, James' readers seem to be confident to the point of boasting. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. He said that that's a strong word for James to use of followers of Jesus. Your boasting is evil. Evil is normally a word associated with something coming from, from the devil. And verse 17 isn't unrelated. Maybe when you read it in your Bible, you think, well, that, that seems to be just a random verse there. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. But it's not unrelated. The, the original actually has the word therefore. Uh, in, uh, the NIV is translated then. I think the ESV is translated so, which are both a bit weak. It really says, whoever therefore knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. What, what the verse is really saying is, to plan your life without reference to God uh, is sinful. It's, it's not right. If you know that you should be bringing your plans before God, but instead you just go ahead and plan anyway and say, this is what I'm going to do, uh, then that, that, that is sinful. So it's not wrong to make plans, James says, but it's wrong to leave God out of them. It's wrong to trust in ourselves. It's wrong to say, yes, God is sovereign and, and, and his will be done, but, but here's what I'm going to do. James says, if you know that you should be leaving your life in God's hands, but actually you don't, you go ahead and make your own plans, that, 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 that is wrong. That, that boasting and bragging is evil and sinful. So we can make our plans. It's right to plan. It's not wrong to plan. God's people have been scattered. Followers of Jesus have been scattered. And they had to make plans as they tried to put their lives back together. 
But if they left God out of those plans, then that was where James said, you've got to be careful because that is sinful. That is wrong. And we're the same. If we're honest, uh, we'll we be planning uh, what we're going to do when things return to normal, where we're going to go and how we're going to change. And, uh, how often do we really say, Lord, would you, you show me if that's right for me? Not just the big decisions, but just on a daily basis. Well, then James turns to uh, the, the pitfalls of, of prosperity, and the commentators disagree about whether James was speaking to some of the uh, believers who happened to be wealthier than others, or whether he was speaking to the, the people living round about, wherever they'd been scattered to into the different towns as they looked on at, at different people. Very often in, in the Old Testament, the, the prophets would bring a word of prophecy to God's people about the surrounding nations. They would say what's going to happen to the Philistines or or the Egyptians or or, or whatever. So whether God is speaking to some wealthy people who were still managed to be wealthy within uh, the followers of Jesus or whether he was speaking to them as they looked at the other people around about them and maybe envied their wealth uh, doesn't doesn't really matter particularly. Either way, James points out some of the pitfalls of of wealth, of of prosperity, of, of having material stuff. Uh, and we live in a society in the West where wealth and possessions are, are, are valued, they're prized. The more you have, the better you've done, the more successful you are in your life. People look at you and say, oh, so-and-so's business must be going really well. Look at, look at the car, look at the house. Uh, and James gives us warnings about that. Some warnings about the dangers as Jesus followers of being sucked into that. Uh, and he says this. He says, first of all, you can have a false confidence in wealth. He says, all the possessions you have are vulnerable. Um, moth can eat the, your clothes. Your, your gold and silver will corrode. Now, gold doesn't actually corrode. You will know that from your GCSE chemistry. And James probably wasn't aware of that, but he, you know what he means. He means that the value of things can, can fade. You put all your, your trust in these things, uh, they, they can fade. Uh, it can be the property values crash, the stock market fails. All of those things, we're just as vulnerable as, as they were, although in a different context now. And it doesn't mean that Christians should shun all possessions. There's no harm planning uh, the future. There's no harm thinking about your, your uh, retirement or planning for your children or, or, or whatever. But we have to realize that just like our lives, our possessions are fleeting. They're, they're vulnerable. They're not secure. And we mustn't place all our confidence in them. Because when we place our confidence in them, we're not having confidence in God. We're really saying, Lord, we trust you, but we're, we're going to keep building up the bank account just, just in case. Uh, and it does tend to lead to hoarding. Uh, James says, uh, where are we? Verse 3, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. Because you see, if you are trusting in your possessions, then how do you know when you've got enough? How do you know when you can be absolutely certain that you've got enough? Uh, Paul Getty, who was for a while the wealthiest man in the world, was asked once how much he would need to have uh, in his bank to be absolutely, uh, absolutely satisfied. And he, he said, just a little more. You see, that's always true. If you're relying on, on the stuff that you have, how do you know when you've got enough to be confident that you can rely on it? Will, will, will you never will have enough? You've always got to keep adding to it and adding to it, just, just in case, just, just a wee bit more, a bit more money, a few more savings, uh, and we'll be okay. James says, um, you have loaded, you, sorry, you've hoarded wealth in these last days. Uh, the, the early believers, of course, thought that Jesus would re- return much more quickly. They didn't expect, they certainly didn't expect that we 2,000 years later would be still uh, living on, on the earth. Uh, and he's saying, listen, you're hoarding all this stuff up when ultimately it, it's pointless. 
ultimately your life will end and that's true for us if you're dying of an illness or whether it's coronavirus or some other illness and you know your life's going to end all the wealth all the whatever your bank accounts are like doesn't make any difference uh, we can't rely on that it, it doesn't make any difference how much we have hoarded our possessions will be no use to us and he also reminds us that in the last day uh, ultimately we're going to, to face God's judgment we're going to have to give account for our lives uh, and all the possessions we have will not count for anything. Uh, we simply have to leave ourselves in, in God's care. So he says there's a danger in materialism in that if you're putting your trust in it, you'll, you'll, you'll never be satisfied that you've enough. So he's saying to these people here who are making all these plans, we're going to plan and build and do business and make money. He says, hang on, hang on. Just remember, that's not what you put your confidence in. You may, you may do business, you may make money, and you may become wealthy. That's grand. There's no, there's no particular harm in that. But he says, don't put your confidence in that. It leads to hoarding. It leads to uncertainty because you're always looking over your shoulder, wondering, have I got enough? And then he says, thirdly, it can lead to injustice for the poor. Your prosperity or my prosperity or the prosperity of the, of the believers in the time could lead to uh, injustice for others. And he's looking particularly here at, at uh, landowners who are not paying the, the wages. Look, look, the wages you fail to pay the workmen are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Uh, people were getting wealthy because others were, were being uh, ill-treated. They were suffering injustice. And again, whether that's the, the nations round about or God's people, James is saying, either way, this is not right. That, that's not right. And you may say, well, wait a minute, wait, that's, that's not us. Well, that doesn't apply to us. We don't, we don't fall into that sort of trap. Uh, but I wonder, do we? We always love a bargain, don't we? We want our, our clothes to be as cheap as possible. Uh, we want the, the prices in the supermarkets to, to come down. We don't want them to creep up. So farmers are paid next to nothing for their coffee. There are farmers who uh, actually grow coffee at a loss. There are farmers in Peru who have turned to growing coca to make cocaine because, because they're paid far more than, than we are willing to pay our, the producers for, for their coffee. Uh, children work in dangerous factories to produce clothes so that we can buy our clothes very cheaply. We don't want to pay over the odds for them. Uh, young people work in, in very dangerous mines producing the cobalt that we need so much for our new, and the batteries for our new electric cars, vast amounts of cobalt, vast amounts of precious metals for our phones. We want our phones to be as cheap as possible. People in various countries, right at this moment, there will be young people working in really dangerous conditions, producing the metals so you and I can carry that, that phone about in our pocket. Uh, you see, it can lead to injustice. Uh, when we want things to make us prosperous, that can lead indirectly to injustice for others. That's why it's very important to look out for where, where you can for fair trade, uh, coffees and, and so on. To try and make sure that you're, you're, you and I are buying from people who are paying the, the, the workers a fair price. To look out for companies, every so often you hear a report on Panorama or whatever, companies which really are abusing the, the workers away in Vietnam or, or, or the, the Far East or in Africa or India or wherever, and to avoid them. Now, you, you're not shopping there, or me not shopping there, may not bring down a company, but at least we, we, we will not be part of what, what's happening. We have to look out for injustice. James says, you have uh, lived in luxury and self-indulgence. And you may say, well, that, we don't. But compared to millions and millions and millions of people in the world, we, we do live in luxury and self-indulgence. Uh, we, we go and buy our, our, our Nero coffee. Uh, and somebody else is maybe uh, trying to scrape together a living because they're not being paid a proper price for their coffee beans. 
We do live in luxury and self-indulgence compared to others. And James says, just be careful. When you're thinking about getting wealth, make sure you're not doing it at the expense of someone else. And we've got to be careful of that too. Maybe we read that, we think, well, this doesn't apply to us today, but actually it does. Uh, When we are trusting in prosperity and seeking prosperity, we can be doing so at the expense of, of others. Well, if we're Christians today, we need to have a different perspective, a different outlook on life. That's what James is saying. He's saying to followers of Jesus back then and saying to us today through through God's word as we have it uh, recorded for us. And Proverbs says, In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. In in everything, all the decisions you make, big decisions about your future, uh, the small things, uh, day-to-day decisions, have an eternal perspective. In all your ways, everything you do, acknowledge that God is sovereign. Uh, maybe you're watching today or you're listening. Maybe for the first time you need to do that. Maybe you need to stop trying to, to be the master of your own life, your own destiny, and to allow God to guide you and to lead you. And don't seek material prosperity. Don't, don't let that become uh, unwittingly the, the, the Lord of your life, what, what drives your life. Um, don't envy those who are wealthy. That's what... James is saying, look, if other people are wealthier than you, God is your life in his hands. Uh, Paul said a very similar thing writing to Timothy. I'm not sure if you can see that there, maybe it's a bit small. He said, godliness with contentment is great gain. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He said, Paul says, very similar to James, he says, listen, if you're seeking after prosperity and money, it's a root of all kinds of evil. It, it leads to all sorts of things going wrong. We, we know that is true in our world. We know that, that, that there's all sorts of evil uh, perpetrated by people who want to, to get wealthy. And, he, and he's saying here, speaking to believers, he said, some people who are, who are believers have even, uh, because they've been so drawn to money, they've actually shipwrecked their faith. I've actually been led astray uh, completely. So don't envy the wealthy. Both James and Paul, the New Testament readers, are saying, just be careful of that. It was, it was true then, and it's just as true today. Here's what the psalmist says. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's an interesting verse. It's sort of a circular verse, isn't it? If our delight is in the Lord, then he will give us the desires of our heart, which is to delight in him, and that will help us to delight more. Uh, if our desire, if the desires of our heart are, are to get wealthy, then we, we lose that delight that we have in the Lord. Because if, if, all our, if our stocks crash and if things go wrong, then, then we, we feel down. But if our delight is simply in the Lord, then that, that is unchanging and, and it's not as subject to market forces and all those things that, that are so variable and vulnerable. Writing to, or speaking to his people uh, in exile, Back in the Old Testament, speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, this was God's people who had been carried from the promised land. They were in exile. Everything seemed to have gone wrong. And God said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. There's that word again, prosper. Not necessarily to make you wealthy, but plans for your good and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's still true for those of us who love God uh, today. Things can go wrong in this life. Life doesn't always run smoothly. Things can go wrong uh, in your situation, in your life, your health, your, your finances, uh, your family, uh, as they can for, for all of us. 
But we know that ultimately God's plans are are good for us. I've been reading uh, the life of Joseph. If any of you follow the Scripture Union notes, you've probably been reading that as well. Uh, And everything seemed to go wrong for Joseph. Hated by his brothers, sold as a slave, uh, taken off to to Egypt, uh, did very well in Egypt, then ended up in prison, then ended up back uh, in charge of, of all of Egypt. And when his brothers finally went down looking for food, and they were terrified, but he said to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Ultimately, God had his hand on Joseph through all those ups and downs, and his plans for him were perfect, not just for Joseph, but for his own people as he brought them food in Egypt. And then we know how the whole story unfolds. Paul would write to, to the Romans, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. If we love God, we have to submit our plans to him. We have to submit our futures to him. Acknowledge that our our futures are uncertain. None of us literally knows what tomorrow brings. But we know that God has our futures in his hands. That his plans for us are are good plans. And that ultimately uh, he will work out his best for us. So when Jesus said, pray, your will be done, he really meant that. But we do find it hard. We say, your will will be done, but but here's what I'd really like you to do. We have to simply step back and say, uh, your will be done in my life. Uh, Your plans are good. Work them out for me. Help me to trust in you, not in my own ability, not in my wealth, not in all those things that are so transient, but help me to trust in you, even when things go wrong. Like like at the moment, so many things seem to be going upside down in our world. Well, for for James readers, that was even, even more so as they were shipped off from, from Jerusalem, finding places to live. But James said to them, trust in God, your life is safe in his hands, and ultimately his plans for you are good. So whatever you're going through in your life today, whatever may be happening in your life, your family's life, your business, or whatever, ultimately your confidence can be in God, whose plans are good. And his plans are for our prosperity, not necessarily our financial prosperity, but for our well-being. And we're going to trust ourselves to him. Now let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that our future is secure in your hands, that your plans for us are good. And we pray that you help us to put you at the center of our lives, to rely on you rather than on our own resources and resourcefulness. Help us to, to, to put our lives completely in your hands. And Father, we pray that you help us to live in a way that, that honors you uh, and that enables us to share with others the reason for the hope that we have. Father, we, we pray that in a world where there is so much hopelessness and people are, are so concerned about the, the immediate future and the more distant future, help us to have that peace which others will see so that they may see something of you in us. And Father, we pray that you'll give us the right words to explain the reason for the hope that we have, because our hope is not placed in, in what this world can offer, but is placed in the unchanging love of the Lord Jesus for us. And we pray in his name. Amen.